Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live, as usual, from the internet. We have an amazing show for you all tonight. I'm very excited about the guests that we have on the show, who we will introduce in a moment. But first, couple of orders of business. If you are watching on Crowdcast, as I see a bunch of you already have, drop a question and ask a question. I'll try to check them out during the show. He's going to try his best. He's going to do his best. best. He's busy, though. He's busy. This guy is a busy guy. Look at him. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, drop a question in there, uh, whether for the guests or us. We'll get to all of your questions later on the show. Over on YouTube. Hello, YouTube. Please drop your questions in the comments. I'll be keeping an eye on those. Also, if you want to give us a little thumbs up there, we always appreciate that. Uh, Now, before we welcome our first guest, though, Justin... I can't help but notice you are not in a rocking chair right now. That's very disappointing. <laughs> so sorry. Yes. Um, I am uh, a young spry uh, man, mm-hmm. so I can sit in a real chair with a straight back. Ooh, <laughs> oh. straight back. Well, wow, that's I, nice. I've, see, I've switched which side of my face the sun is on mm-hmm. um, so that I can evenly tan over the weeks that we do this. <laughs> that's good. I look forward to your tan and not red face at the end of yeah. all of this. Yes. At the end of all this, when we reunite at the place we first met to start it all over again. Oh, I see Aaron here in the comments says, it's been a while since someone asked Alex about his LinkedIn, one of the most oh. embarrassing chapters of Comic Book Club. So uh, please don't ask me about that. I like that you call that chapter. Please explain the story before. You can't just knock that out. I can't just mention on. it. Well, I, I feel bad because I don't actually want to embarrass the person, but. No, you should. That, that was a, that was it was a forever embarrassment. <laughs> when. We uh, so back when we were doing a live show at a theater, uh, we would take live audience questions from people, and usually they'd be things so, that you'd expect, like so antiquated. Who would win in a fight, this hero or this hero? Or tell us about your comic book. Or I'm feeling sad. How do I not feel sad? Etc. Things like that. Uh, and maybe you guys remember exactly what she said better. But this uh, woman got up and she said, "Alex, I specifically have a question for you." And I started to feel like my heartbeat would be like, oh, my God, okay, what's what's happening here? I and love you, like, Alex. Well, I, I don't know. It could have gone anyway, right? And I'm married, so what am I going to do about my wife at this point? Because I'm running away with this audience <laughs> member. You know what I'm talking about? It was crazy how you, like, had packed your bags mentally and were ready to leave everything <laughs> to go with this strange woman. 
Uh, and then she said, I need to confront you about something. And then I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? What's happened? Am I about to be canceled? Did I do something terrible that I'm not remembering? I honestly don't remember this woman at all. Uh, and it turns out it's because I never met her. She said, uh, why have you not answered my message on LinkedIn? Ah, and great. then proceeded to not believe me that, like most of the world, I don't ever check LinkedIn. I don't have an interest in checking LinkedIn. And also the best way, because she was applying for an internship that we had already filled of getting that internship was probably not confronting me live <laughs> during a show podcast. Tasting. Well, the fun part was Amazing. she came to our show and then we never saw her again. So it's not oh, like you were he expecting was, her to become a lifelong yeah, like fan. I, like, Man, at first, I didn't like this Alex guy, but this show won me over. Uh, the craziest thing, can I mention the craziest detail about this story, actually, to me? The craziest detail is not the fact that she came all the way to the show to get a job, not the fact that she confronted me about not answering her LinkedIn message. The fa craziest thing to me is that after she asked her question, and we went through this whole awkward thing and talked about it on stage and sat down, <laughs> Pete gave her free comics. <laughs> Pete gets it. She, a you fan's a fan. You know, I was trying to win her over, Alex. I don't care. How she got there, she's there. I was trying to connect with her, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe Pete, turn this frown up. He hired down. her as an intern. <laughs> that <laughs> really woman is Rihanna Thomas, his girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> if you want to connect with her, I would highly recommend LinkedIn. Is a good place. <laughs> <laughs> good call. Oh my gosh! All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite our first guest into the stream here while he is getting set up. We'll mention he's one of our favorite writers on the show. We love talking to him. Uh, we had a great time chatting with him back at Keystone hey. Comic Con last year. Jim's up. Hey, hey here's thing. I just got this request to join the stream from LinkedIn. Oh. I'm so happy. Good. Man, yeah, we thread all believe... of our live streams through LinkedIn because <laughs> we believe in the site. Alex, you are so like you're on there all the time. It's crazy. <laughs> I can't even believe it. <laughs> That's like uh, your favorite hangout spot. I it is. I deleted right Twitter. Now. I deleted Holy Facebook, crap. MySpace, LinkedIn's where it's oh at. God, it's yeah. <laughs> it is the future of social media. <laughs> you know what's better than a million dollars? A hundred friends. That's right. That's right. Uh, Jim, uh, how are you doing? Always good to chat with you. Uh, yeah, this you is obviously been a crazy time for everybody, but comics are starting to slowly get creeping, back to normal. Creeping, back creeping. to some semblance of its yeah. uh, shambling What's this time been for you like so far? Uh, very weird. Um, so mm -hmm. my original plan, uh, I teach at an art college. I write comic books, uh, all kinds of different stuff. My original plan was I was taking most of the summer off and my wife and I, no joke, we're going to travel the world oh, and wow. do, a, do a slew of conventions. We, we had dates all through Europe. Uh, throughout the summer, and then we were going to come back for uh, a couple family things, and then we were looking to go to Japan in October, um, or or not. Whoa. So yeah, that's obviously no longer in the cards. Uh, I'm I'm better about it now. Uh, it was real, <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. February, March, April was just this sort of slow slide into realization that this was well, sort of like, well, we could still probably go to Japan. Uh, yeah, well, maybe yeah, we could just tweak yeah. this a little bit and maybe end up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, we failed was, on all of these fronts. It was really, really bizarre. And, and for the longest time, I wouldn't delete stuff off my Google calendar. So I have the ghost of an alternate <laughs> timeline with like oh, my man. flights taking off and our hotel bookings that were long canceled and all that stuff. I'm the same um, way with events. Yeah. I have all my events in the calendar and it's sad, but like 
What is it about us that we won't delete them? I don't know. It's just, uh, it's either bitterness or positivity. I can't tell where somewhere. Let's say both. Yeah, sure. (laughs) But day by day, it seems to go up, down, all the things. Um, But so honestly, that really threw me for a loop, as you might imagine. Um, I've still got, you know, a bunch of writing stuff that I'm working on. Some of that stuff slowed down. Some of it stopped completely. But other things have also picked up. So it's been this weird kind of thing where, well, I've got more time and I'm at home. So I'm spending more time around the house. I'm, you know, my wife and I are, are spending a lot more time. I'm doing a lot of cooking, which I don't normally do, um, and, and doing more creator-owned stuff. So I'm digging in on a bunch of that, nice. some stuff that hasn't been announced yet. Um, I was actually earlier today, uh, I'm putting together sort of like a, a team to put together this sort of uh, uh, creator own thing and also some tabletop RPG stuff because I absolutely love uh, RPG games. And cool. so I asked out on Twitter, like, oh, you know, I want to expand my pool of people I know. Are there any RPG writers maybe looking for some freelance work? And I should really have known better. Like, it's amazing. <laughs> but, like, my my Twitter got absolutely dive-bombed. And, I like, hundreds and hundreds of people sending me portfolios <laughs> and samples and questions. Oh, and wow. I was just like, oh, right, right, freelancers. Why am I – I asked yeah. freelancers if they're looking for work. What am I, nuts? And it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, honestly, it's also very encouraging and exciting to see so much creativity and so many people – making material out there and so it's a little daunting but i'm gonna slowly after i get off this uh event thing i'm gonna i'm digging through emails and dms and all that stuff and just sort of looking going okay gonna filter the pool and and try and meet some new people and when you say dig through dms you mean dungeon masters right yeah dungeon masters (laughs) Um, that's right you Is there anyone on Twitter into fantastical worlds or escapism? <laughs> Please email me. Yeah, and, and escapism right now. Yeah. Does anyone is anyone into role playing games? Yeah, D and D is bigger than ever. Uh, it's so insane right now. And, and people are playing online, obviously a lot more than they used to. Um, and seeing that community explode in, in such a huge way, but all role-playing games, I think the good thing about D and D is because it's the, the kind of rising tide that raises all ships, like other role-playing games are seeing a really big boost as well. And so I've been playing online with my friends, uh, in a couple different games, <clears throat> and I know tons of other people are just diving into it for the first time because it's like, hey, for a couple hours, I want to be cool and pretend everything is awesome and heroic or or that I understand what uh, I need to overcome. Oh, I have to roll these dice and beat bad guys? I can do that. This is a reasonable thing i can wrap my head around have we tried that with the, the pandemic yet just like rolling like doing a i have played the pandemic board game okay. over and over again and it just does not seem to solve it i don't know oh, man. i'm well, plus seven about- for quarantine right now <laughs> <laughs> i'm crushing it uh let's talk about the D comics a little bit sure you've absolutely. been getting pretty deep into them yeah D infernal tides number four just came mm-hmm. out a week or two ago we talked about that on our yeah we won't talk about the original ship dates on all those because sure. it's never <laughs> a strange sliding timeline but um yeah yeah infernal tides is the newest D miniseries the fifth of a series of miniseries that i've been doing since fifth edition D&D launched um, and it involves a group of heroes. Some of them are original characters that Max Dunbar and I created. And some of them are characters from like the Baldur's Gate video game and stuff like that. So it's been a real joy to, to kind of be alongside the growth of, of, you know, this new edition of D and D and because my original IDW editor didn't actually know Dungeons and Dragons um, that ended up 
basically linking me directly with Wizards of the Coast when it came to doing things like story development and approvals and stuff like that. So I made a really good impression there. And since then, I've been doing a bunch of um, other kind of writing for them. So I did some story development on an adventure that they did called Descent into Avernus. Um, my wife and I and another uh, freelancer are co-writing a series of things called the Dungeons and Dragons Young Adventurers Guides that bring new people into the hobby. Um, just all I did the Rick and Morty D and D miniseries. I've got the upcoming uh, Stranger Things D and D miniseries I'm doing oh, with Jody Hauser. Awesome. Yeah, wow. oh cool. Well, so. I wanted to ask you about that one too because obviously D and D is so tied to Stranger Things. Oh yeah, uh, just through them playing it and then the Demigorgon coming to life. Um, but what are we going to see in the miniseries? Is it them imagining themselves as the characters, or they're actually fantasy elements? Right. What can you so that's a really good question, and it was one of the toughest questions uh, as we were developing the concept. I mean, the you know, it was seemed like an obvious choice to do a Stranger Things D&D, you know, story, but it was what does that entail and how do you make that a satisfying read of it on its own, you know? And so we talked about, okay, do you do it all in character? No, that doesn't feel like there's enough material there <clears throat> and it's not as emotionally resonant. So I kind of went back and forth and came up with this structure where we're going to learn about how the, the kids essentially started playing D&D. So there's sort of two threads to the series. There's the in-game stuff that reflects things that are happening in their real life. And the way that we use role-playing games as escapism in a way to kind of reframe difficulties or, or almost like test drive stuff that we want to do. You know, I want to be more courageous. I want to be more bold. Well, I'll make my character those things. And then that'll hopefully bring that out of me as a real person, but then also the nostalgia of how we all learned about the game and what it meant to us and how it changed us. And so there's sort of these two threads there's out of game, you know, the first time they ever pick up the box set or they understand how the rules work or screw it up. And all the, that was a real fun way to tap into some of the nostalgia I had around those exact things, you know, um, Age-wise, we're very similar in terms of when they started playing and when I started playing. So it was a real kind of amazing nostalgia pull for me to go back and look through those books and kind of oh, wow. remember what it felt like to, to yeah. dive in for the very first time. And then there's the in-game stuff, which is those character kind of reflections and, and the kind of quests that they're going on and how you can see parallel threads between that and the <laughs> events that happen in the show. So we don't see very much of them at the table playing. It's usually like the end of a scene or a big die roll or something like that, or, or they're using the map to explain the upside down or something. I wanted to kind of dig in and go, you know, what does that game feel like? What are those elements, but not push so anyone away, you know, yeah. that, that you have to, you don't have to know first edition D and D to know the rush of getting together with your friends and telling a cool story or, or having an argument about something or, you know, like stuff like that. And so over those four issues, we kind of move through the three seasons of the show. The first issue takes place um, three years before season one, mm -hmm. uh, which is when they buy the D&D box set. And I did just a heinous amount of research on like, <laughs> what was the suggested retail price of the box and where could you uh, buy it and what was in there and all that wow. kind of stuff just to be as accurate as possible. Yeah, you got to get that origin right because you know there are people out there the nostalgia, at the yeah. moment. You know, every you every little minute detail, right? Yeah. So, for example, what even crazy stuff like I I sent the poor artist man Diego. He's working so hard. Uh, I sent him screenshots of which miniatures existed at different eras. You know, or like wow. which books were available. 
so that we didn't screw it up. Like even if they're only in a couple of panels or one close up, like was that a real lead miniature you could buy at that time? Or, you know, what something as simple as what did the dice look like? Like people, well, they're just polyhedron dice. But in the original D&D starter set, for example, the dice that came in the set were not made for D&D. They were bought from a math company that was, um, they used them to show randomization. So the D20, the 20 sided die didn't actually have numbers from one to 20. It had one to 10 twice on the dice (laughs) because that was what they used it for, for randomizing. And so what the D and D set had was that one to 10, one to 10 die, but it came with a crayon. So you could mark half of the sides, a different color so that you would know that was the high 10 or the low 10. Wow. wow. So, That's such a, a, a crisp detail right yeah, there. Yeah. And, and it's like 98% of our readers won't care, but I wanted to get it right because, yeah, you, got because to. you know, so stuff like that. It was a real fun thing to dig into and to do and, and to tell this kind of emotional story about playing a game, you know, because it has a core role to play in the the story of stranger things but it's always a background detail and we got to kind of put it in the forefront and and there was something really joyful about that and you know at times indulgent they the you know any of the the stories that i'm writing at first, I think I was really afraid of indulging. And I'm like, no, the reason why I'm excited about this is I think why readers will be excited about this, you know? And so whether that's doing Marvel superhero stuff or Conan the Barbarian or, or, or D&D stuff, I'm going to try and get that excitement on the page. And, and hopefully that will transfer to you as well, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a good segue to talk about Conan, which you're going to be writing on. Obviously, yeah. there's different fantasy rules <laughs> totally. than Dungeons and Dragons. Do you have trouble <laughs> yeah. keeping them straight in your head? No, so the weirdest thing for me is like, you know, arguably Dungeons and Dragons and Conan the Barbarian are like the two biggest, two of the biggest properties in sword and sorcery ever. And to be working on both at the same time is, is such an honor and a, and a surreal thrill. Um, so I actually have two issues of Conan that have come out. You wouldn't know it in the sweep of the changing world. Um, but it was like February, March, those issues came out and then the series was put on pause. And so we're just like chomping at the bit to get, to get back at it and have those other issues come out. Um, Conan is, is one of the many things that influences D and D, but it's just one part of a bigger kind of primordial stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's, you know, tons of other fantasy authors and bits and pieces, Tolkien and, and Fritz Lieber and all these other uh, Lovecraft, all that stuff. They all have pieces to play in D&D, whereas Howard's, Robert E. Howard's Conan is its own, you know, kind of thing. And, and I love it for that. I love its pulpiness. I love its, like, the dark elements of it, the, the mercenary kind of attitude. Uh, Conan, you know, the, the cell sword who makes himself a king. Like, it's got yeah. a real amazing feel to it and so there's notes of that that end up in D, but it very much has to be its own thing and there's a an intensity to it that i really really love and so for me it doesn't feel i they definitely aren't the same and i try i i, I would say i try hard but but i just sort of get into a mode on it like D is much 
peppier and kind of more playful, colorful, magical, you know, and, and yeah. Conan is darker, more intense, more mysterious and, and has a lot, the stakes are much different, you know, with a lot of those adventures, you can't just magic your way out of a problem in Conan, you know, it's like everything's going to get bloody at some point and it's going to be, uh, going to be a wild ride in that way. So I love having the two and bling in, in some ways, if one's not working for me, I can kind of switch gears and, and turn into the other and, and it'll usually click. So it's pretty, does awesome. it change anything having this Conan in the Marvel universe technically? Well, so the Conan that I'm writing is Conan the Barbarian and that's solely in the Hyborian age. Okay. I, I wrote him in uh, no road home, which was bringing him into the Marvel universe. And that yeah. led to Jerry Dugan's uh, Savage Avengers. But, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the core book is kind of like airlocked away from that stuff. Right. Like it's it's a separate timeline. Whatever justification you want to give it, there will never be a, a superhero crossover component to the main monthly book. You know, that that's what those special books and event books and things are for is to experiment and play. And, you know, like Jerry did that Conan 2099 and like all that crazy yeah. stuff. And that's great. I'm glad people are doing it. Whatever brings people to the character or mm-hmm. excites them about a story. But mm-hmm. the main books always got to have that kind of Howard foundation and just be like, go for the gusto, you know days of high adventure sort of stuff. So that that's really what I'm going for. Um, so to answer your question in a roundabout way, I don't worry about, I don't worry about. Yeah, forget that. About, you don't have to yeah, worry right. about that. That's and wh- what I love about Conan is it does have that core character that everyone just gets. So yeah. you can yeah. uh, put him in 2099 or just be like, this is in the timeline where he's not King yet. Um, but right. He's been around for a while. He didn't just wash up somewhere. He's doing this. You can One really of the things put that, him yeah, in place. I, that, that I love about Conan is very simple as a core concept and you can jump in almost anywhere and get what's going on and understand yeah. the character and their motivations, but there's still a lot of richness there and there's an intensity to the storytelling that you can bring to it that I really, really love. You know, the hardest thing for me, <clears throat> I did three issues of Savage Sword last year and I thought that was going to be my only chance to write the character solo ever. Cause I'd, I'd co-written, um, Conan Red Sonia with Gail Simone. Right and then on. I did Avengers No Road Home with Mark Wade and, and Al Ewing. And I had a lot of Conan in there that was mine, but it still was co-writing. And this Savage Sword story was like three issues. This is sort of my stamp on, this is how I would do the character. This is what I think is most important. Um, Pat Zerker drew it and made it just, it was just this bloody spectacle. It was really, really cool. And I thought, good, done it. I told the kind of Conan story I think is at the core of the character. And I never anticipated that it would be an audition to take over the monthly book. And all of a sudden, you know, they turned around and they said, oh, Jason's leaving, Jason Aaron's leaving the monthly book you know, you're our top pick. Do you want to take it over? And of course my answer was yes. And then this intense fear just like gripped me. I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't just got to do that with one story. I got to do that every month now. Like I get, this isn't just drop the mic and walk away. Like you got to now, okay, now what do you got? Now what do you, you got to hold the mic and yeah, keep singing gotta, karaoke or whatever it. it is. It's, it's an extended and it's an honor. It's an absolute pleasure to be able to do that. But now it wasn't just about, doing some fancy moves and then piecing out. Like I had to really, I got to bring it. And so 
I, you know, really dove back in in a big way and, and refill my brain with like the Roy Thomas comics and, and, you know, the original novels and as much material as I can get crammed in there just to kind of get myself hyped up and in the mode and then brought all these story ideas and, and made it very clear that I want to be there for a while and, and make stuff and make really cool, you know, have a, have a piece of that. And, and it's been a, a joy to work on, obviously like, this feeling now of putting so much into it and having the book on pause right now is, is excruciating. Yeah. But um, you know, even still, I'm still having a blast and Raj Antonio, who's drawing the monthly book is doing a phenomenal job. Um, Eric Gist, who's doing our covers, these oil painting classic fantasy covers. Um, I, I was so happy with the first one that I bought it and I put it in my house. So it's like, oh, wow. it's crazy. Like it's just, it's an absolute, you know, it's a dream project for me to be a part of. Um, I real quick little anecdote. The last convention that I went to was Paris comic-con in October and Roy Thomas was there and I've never met him. And so I was like, gotta find a way, gotta make this happen. (laughs) And, and went up to go see him and he had just a monstrous line. Conan's really big all through Europe and you know, the Avengers and he's done so much stuff, right? Seminal work. He had a monstrous line and I was just like, Oh no, how's this going to work? You know, I've got my own signing times and panels and stuff. And so I kind of went over to the handler translator and I was talking to him a little bit and, and you're um, like the zub is present. No, it's so weird. <laughs> like you want, you don't want to be like, do you know who I am? But you're also like, I kind of <laughs> gotta get my way in here. Yeah. And and so I said, I said, look, um, you know, I, I I'd really like to meet Roy. Uh, I, I'm working on Conan and all this sort of stuff. And he was like, oh, who, you know, who who are you? And I said, my name's Jim Zub. And he goes, oh, 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 yeah, 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 okay. I saw you in the program book. I'm like, great. He said, it's really busy right now. Come back after this panel, right before he does his next signing we'll do a quick meet and greet. I was like, great. So I come back. We have a wonderful chat. He was so just uh-huh. amazing. Great. Uh-huh. And he was writing two issues of Savage Sword that, that came out after mine. Um, and so he read my story called Conan uh-huh. the Gambler. Uh-huh. Wow. And he actually, and he said, Oh, I read it. I really liked it. And I gave him that look of like, did you? And he, <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he mentioned some specific stuff in the story. And I was like, Oh crap. Ooh, Roy Thomas read checks out. Oh. <laughs> and then I said, look, it hasn't been announced yet. And at that point I had it back in October. I said, um, but I'm taking over, you know, the monthly book. I'm, I'm going to be doing Conan the Barbarian moving forward. And he looked at me and he puts a hand on my shoulder and he goes, welcome to the fraternity. Wow. Isn't that the best? I was like, man, like if I could bottle this right now, like this <laughs> yeah. is this is yeah. so special to me and so precious yeah. to me. You know, his those books meant so much to me, still mean so much to me. I got shelves of them here, you know. Like, um, and and to have that, it's like a blessing, whatever you want to call it. It was the coolest, man. Like, and and uh just just incredible. Um they do an event down um, in Cross Plains, Texas, where Robert E. Howard was born and lived his life. Every oh, year, wow. they do this thing called Howard Days around his birthday. And this year, they were supposed to have Roy out there to uh, do the 50th anniversary of Conan number one. Um, obviously, they had to cancel the event and all this kind of stuff. But I had been talking to them about going down, so we would do it together. And now we're going to do it hopefully next year. And it would just be amazing oh, wow. to spend the weekend right. with them and like hang out and just nerd out on Conan stuff. So, so well, much. and the beauty of it is we can erase this year, so it'll still be the 50th. That's right. It'll just be 2020. Still 2020. That's right. Yeah. The only thing but we have yeah. to do, to, we, all we have to do to erase it is delete the events we have in our calendar. That's right. <laughs> We're the only two it. cracking it up. 
just do the <laughs> and then we we start over again. Ooh. But yeah, but it's so weird because like between Savage Sword and Serpent War, I was really convinced that those were going to be my sort of mark on Conan for you know better or worse. And now I've got the monthly book, and and I'm so excited for people to see what we got in the hopper. It is uh, it is wild and wonderful stuff. So. Awesome. Yeah. I do yeah, want to ask cool. you about another fantasy property that you created, Skull Kickers. Yes. Yeah. Which is getting its own animated series. Yes. Congrats. Amazing news. Yeah, um, man. What, if, any, what, I, if anything is moving forward at this point, <laughs> right, it's right. an animated series, right? Versus live action series. Is there yeah, progress yeah. out of it at this point? Or is yeah. It so animation, uh, both animation and video games are doing quite well despite everything going on. You know, live action productions are in real problems because of the inability to have people all together in one space, but animation, you know, a lot of studios were already starting to work more remotely anyways. So, and I know a lot of friends in animation, they were saying that a few weeks after the everything's shut down, they were just told, go into the office, grab your computer, plug into the network, work from home, you know? So animation production, voice acting, it's much easier to get those productions going anyways. So we were, don't I know it. Right. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, what are you auditioning for right now? What, what, I know. What the, the beauty of being a voice actor is you're just always auditioning. Uh, so you right. gotta just talk. You gotta just keep going. Yes, I understand what you're talking about. What do you mean? Um, but so the great thing is, is, we were already talking about. We were already sort of in the negotiation phase uh, with with Skull Kickers, and I don't think it hurt us. It might have even helped us. You know. The, the strength of adult animation right now between stuff like Castlevania and yeah. um, Gendy Tartakovsky's Primal and Rick and Morty. Like, it's a real potent time for, for adult animation. Fantasy is really, really hot. D&D is really hot. And I guess my agent had talked to someone and they were saying like, man, you know, D&D is so big right now. And, and of course, the rights to the D&D stuff are much more complicated. And they go, do you want the guy who writes a bunch of that stuff? You know, like... And so we we ended up having some good conversations and getting things kind of rolling. Um, and Skull Kickers really is like my love letter to D&D and Conan the Barbarian. And hilariously, now I do both of those things. But <laughs> it's, it is this weird, frenetic kind of uh, um, kick in the pants of, of the sword and sorcery genre. And so when I explained it to them, I said, look, this is, this is D&D by way of Deadpool. Like it's deconstructing yeah, oh, and destroying the pitch. genre. Thanks, man. Uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and really tearing a hole in it in a fun and irreverent way where you clearly love it, but you also know all of its flaws. So you're just going to dig in real good. Um, and we can make this violent, crazy, over-the-top story. And the advantage of having, you know, we've got six trade paperbacks. We can look at it from a thousand foot view and say what works what doesn't what can we do bigger what can we do crazier because it's all there structurally we know what's coming down the pipe so what can we foreshadow better or what you know stuff that i was trying to figure out year by year now we have all laid out in front of us and so, so it's cool. it's yeah it's really exciting to be able to go back and kind of go oh that part is sacrosanct like it's awesome that works so good that joke is still very funny and other parts where you go this is all fine but I'm a better writer than I was back then or these yeah. characters we can dig in that much more or we can tease these future revelations that much better and and that's been really really fun 
to, to bring to it. And so they want me intimately involved. I'm uh, sort of head of story and, and developing a lot of that nice. stuff. Um, I'm, I'm helping produce in the sense that I'm doing approvals on everything from concept art to character designs. My background's originally in animation, so I've got some knowledge I can bring to that as well, but I'm not trying to get in anyone's way. Um, the studio we're working with called Copernicus, they've done a lot of work for hire animation with other studios. They're probably best known for doing quite a bit of animation on Teen Titans Go. Oh, nice. Um, Great. Not that we're going to emulate that style, but just they're very skilled. Like, they're great. They've done tons of commercials, movies, you name it. So a lot of times, though, almost everything they've done is someone else's stuff. And this time, they're like, we want to develop this in-house with you. We want to build this thing from the ground up. They're genuine fans of it. And so it's like everyone is trying to there's a term in animation they use called plussing. Like everyone's trying to add and not take away. Like we're trying to make it better, make it cooler, make it more violent, more ridiculous. Um, and that's been really, really enjoyable as a process. And so it's pretty early in the development process right now. But even then, as we're going through and putting together what's called sort of the deck, like the pitch deck, here's sort of a structure for the first season. And here's where these things play out. And they've got a couple concept artists putting together some location stuff. And I'm looking and kind of going, oh, man, we can push this even further. Or how, you know, where can we take this? It's really, it's really exciting. And, you know, I'm used to stuff potentially falling apart. So, you know, I don't want to assume everything's like full clear. We're going to be on whatever platform and we're going to, you know, be a huge hit, but, but everyone is doing all the stuff that you would hope at this stage of it. And everyone is being awesome. And that's all I could hope for. So that's great. Yeah. I'm having a blast on our podcast. Plusing is when we get Pete angry enough to actually (laughs) kick a skull in (laughs) very much in the same world as, as what you're talking about. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Uh, Before we let you go, Jim, that's a lot of stuff, but you have a lot of other stuff going on. Is there anything else you want to plug? Um, I covered some pretty good stuff. Uh, Empire Avengers is coming out quite soon. So the big Empire event this summer, I got to dig back in with uh, a really strange cross-section of Avengers that I mostly got to pick and choose my own sort of lineup for this uh, three-issue tie-in to the big event. So I've got some of my favorite characters, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. I've got the Black Knight, finally. Uh, I've got uh, 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 Dr. Voodoo, the man thing shows up and Kazar. It's like a really wild, um, all the weirdos that I love in (laughs) in the Marvel universe. And so it's a cool story that ties in with the main uh, empire stuff that Al and Dan are doing, but it's also um, kind of its own cool self-contained explosive little adventure in the savage land. And I got to do some stuff that um, things, one of the really fun things is you, you try and put together as many cool story ideas as you can, or you think about what could be, and then you hope that you get a chance to pitch it. So, you know, I'm talking about stuff and we were talking about the, the Savage Land and I said, oh, I've got this cool Kazar bit that I've been holding on to for a long time. What about this? And, and you sometimes get so almost shocked that they everyone just says okay like you're like they're gonna let me get away with this oh man i better get this on the page before they stop me so it's uh it's a fun time uh, and, right. and then you're like that. actually the miniatures you want to use are from 1984 and they right. need to be in the background <laughs> of this shot uh please i'm a bit of a research snob on this stuff <laughs> <laughs> 
there is a crazy montage at one point where we're sort of seeing some of the key historical moments of Kazar and Shanna the She-Devil. And and I had to go through almost every one of their appearances and look for like wow. stuff. So it's a Great. this awkward thing when you ask your editor and they go, So what PDFs do you need? And you go, Kazar, all, yeah. all of it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Bring me everything. Bring me everything. You know, and you're just like, yeah, so uh, the PDFs, you know, gigs of PDFs show up and you're just digging through things and screenshotting different panels and sort of say, and it's like, you know, one page that most readers won't care about. But again, I'm nuts. So it's like, okay, I want to lean into that working. Yeah, man. Awesome, Jim. Thank you so much for coming on. So good to see you. Yeah, it was great talking with you. Take care. Great talking to you, Jim. Love your stuff. Good luck out there. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Jim's up, everybody. Uh, pick up all of his stuff, of course, as he mentioned, Empire, Avengers, D&D, Infernal Tides, uh, Skull Kickers. You should always pick up just because it's great. Look forward to Stranger Things, D&D, Conan the Barbarian, and many, many more things. Pete, did you know about that Skull Kickers animated series? No, that was – I'm pretty excited yeah. for that. I cannot wait to see You've that. been a Skull Kicker. I think you brought Skull Kickers to the podcast. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm very excited for it. Uh, here, kill time a little bit while I find. Oh, he's first hand up guy. I, I don't kill time. We we have fun. We yeah. live time. We yeah. birth Can you just time. Have fun for a little bit. Yes, yeah, no problem. Uh, no fun. No uh, problem. We're inviting our next guest into the feed. I'm sure the tech will go smoothly. There will be no problems, yeah. ladies oh. and gentlemen. Yeah. Second the guest up guy. Oh my god, are you really have no sound? <laughs> No, I'm just fucking with you guys. <laughs> he gets it. Fuck you, Dad. Fuck you. That's the kind of stuff people love. It's a technical prank. Uh, now, Dad, we're not just having you in the feed to mess with you and make fun of your hey, thanks for making ability. Your bed. We're hey, also welcoming. Yes, thank you for making your bed. We're also welcoming you in for our next section, which we like to call the stack. Stack. The nap stack. And for the stack, as we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, we have our guests bring us some of their favorite runs of all time. And Nat brought us Kieran Gillen's run on Journey into Mystery, specifically yes. issues 622 through 631, written by Kieran Gillen, as I said, with pencils by Dougie Brathwaite, Richard Elson, and Will Sportatio. Pete already has a question right off the bat, even before we have Nat. I'm going to get them in good it. faith. So go ahead, Pete. Let me just, just, good I just wanted to ask you, uh, did yep. you pick this because you would know it would piss me off? Because not only is Mephisto in this, it gets into the Marvel point system, which drives me insane. And before you <laughs> asked in your email, you said you had to read the point one. And I refuse. I refuse to read wow. that piece of shit. Wait, you didn't read it? No, I did not. I read everything but that point one because you either number it and it's valid or you don't. If you give me the point one, I'm that's not the issue where Mephisto apologizes for stealing Spider-Man's no, wedding. I can't. You're not allowed. Allowed. Yeah, but if it, you it was originally called it, a point, you can't read it again. It just doesn't work. So unfortunately, you'll never get that apology, Pete. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I just because no, no. I thought it was a good comic book that you yeah. would enjoy. You know, it's well written, yeah. uh, worth it for the art alone. I would say. And uh, uh, oh, you playing a drinking game at home? Is that what's going on? Uh, <laughs> I would like to argue that point uh, that it's a good comic book because it's one of those books <laughs> wow. where you go back cool. and you read Alex, it. Do you want to do the overview, or should I do the overview of what this book is about? We'll or, get to that in a second. We'll get that in a second. I just want to like, say, yeah, all that. Oh, wait, before you say anything, Pete, I want to explain how describing things works. First, you complain about them for a while. 
Yep. Uh, then you complain about more stuff for a while, and then eventually you explain what it actually is. To be fair, but that he, is sort of how Wikipedia works, so um, <laughs> Pete, Pete checks out there. Yes, that's true. Uh, Pete, can I give Pete, a quick overview of the plot of the book first before you get to your complaint? It's, it's ambiguation. Go ahead, Alex. Sure. Uh, so the thing that I'll say that I was actually pretty surprised about that I had completely forgotten about, this is young Loki. He died at the end of Siege. He came back to life as a kid. Thor found him. He got his memory back. And now he's back at Asgard. Nobody trusts him because he's Loki, but he is kind of a new Loki. So along with his bird, Ikal, which has the spirit of the original Loki in it, he ends up trying to manipulate events during the Fear Itself event in order to... I don't know, mitigate disaster, I guess the best way to put it. Uh, And along the way, he journeys into various uh, realms of Asgard, uh, other places in the mythical North mythology, also a backyard in New Jersey at one point. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. very tricky. It's very tripsy. Uh, He meets Leah, who is a smaller version of Hela. You could probably figure out the mixed around letters there as well. Uh, And other characters that have stuck around for a good long while, in the mythology. Um, but the thing that, again, that I was kind of surprised about was I completely <laughs> forgot about the fear itself connection. Like I remember this as, Oh, this is Kieran Gillen's young Loki book. That's how I remember yeah. it. But it is so tied into everything that is happening in fear itself in Thor and the rest of the event. That was very surprising to me personally. I never would have. Yeah. So, so just on what you said right there, I, I uh, never would have read this book if I saw it on stands. It has, like, as I just showed, like, a sort of high fantasy, marbleized covers. It was, like, when Marvel was doing a bunch of, like, digital coloring with textures and stuff. And it just looks like, um, I think we can agree, uh, bad. Uh, it, it, looks, yeah. it looks like oh, really? the covers are not good. The covers are, yeah. I mean, the cover design is special, like I said, without, like, sort of, like, yeah. digital marbleized textures and stuff. Like, it's like a signifier of, like, uh, like, uh, don't hang out with this kid in high school. And, uh, but sometimes that kid turns out to be pretty cool and grows up and he, uh, plays Dungeons and Dragons and it becomes popular. And, um, I think like this book is designed to be like, if you describe it, it sounds like you would never want to read it. It comes out of an event. I agree with like, that. And it basically lives adjacent to another event the entire time until it basically catalyzes the end of that. Um, right. and, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that's interesting at all. And also like Siege yeah. and Fear itself, it's like they were such big events. There's a uh, there's a tie-in where the Avengers Academy led by the original Ant-Man have to fight the Absorbing Man because he has a giant hammer in a multi-dimensional dorm room. Like it's just there's just too much. Um and it's this a little weird. I agree with you, but I do think in the covers as well, it feels a lot like fables. It feels like mm-hmm. a vertigo book a bit. And so I, mm-hmm. I really appreciated that. And it's written sort of that tone. You're, no- you're nostalgic for cheesy 90s Photoshop vertigo covers, you're saying. I guess maybe that's it. The old Prince of the Sandman yeah. where that was like... I think I'm generally to- nostalgic. I, not to get too sure. in the weeds about it, but I agree with Nat. Not I, like I think the the painted part of the covers or the picture part of the covers is okay. See you later, Nat. Uh, but the top <laughs> I'm not like half, this style of cover design. Yeah, yes, yes, but the, yes. But the fear itself there. stuff. I get what you're saying, but the fear itself stuff. It's like it's too much of the cover there, you know, given the fact. Oh yeah. It's like a half. third of the cover. It looks like yeah. it's supposed to be a paperback novel. And like, and again, but, that's fine. It's an aesthetic thing that turns me off, 
But um, it sounds, again, indescriptible. Like, there's a lot of heavy lifting. Before this first book starts, what happens? And you figure out as you read it, what happens is that Loki has sacrificed himself at the end of Siege. Um, someone in the comments is saying the covers were great. Uh, that's actually, for, unfortunately, factually untrue. But um, the uh, Loki, has, Loki has sacrificed his own life at the end of Siege, even after catalyzing Siege and letting Norman Osborn take power. And everyone's like, why did he do that? And it turns out that Loki was in charge of the Desir, who are these like uh, evil, like dead Val- death Valkyries. And he lent them to Mephisto in order to lease land in the underworld in hell so that hella who had been kicked out of the nine realms could have her own realm in the biblical hell for her that was separate there and in exchange for leasing it to her so she'd have a place to put all the souls uh she would write his name out of the book of the dead so that when he dies his soul wouldn't go to hell it would bounce back to earth that you sound like that cover jeez that's before the first issue starts yeah all of this again i'm like i sympathize with pete it's convoluted it's going on and in spite of all of that i think kieran gillen um i like his original work i think kieran gillen is a guy who is absolutely at his best when there's like 20 plates spinning and there's an established framework and he has to work within it he's so good at taking all of that stuff and putting it together and making it make sense and in this story like for example there's in between issues things happen in the event like for in one issue he sees thor in prison and in the next issue he has freed thor already but that's happening in the adjacent mighty thor book but what's great about it is that kieran gillen instead of being like well you just got to read the tie-in he treats it like he writes it more like a silver age comic so it'll be like more like you're reading a fantasy storybook for like the first four pages of each and he's kind of just telling it all as it's like this tale that's being woven and so some of it is told like a very dilated modern story in between and other elements of it are still are told like things pass over time. And, and like the, the time is, you know, you see an individual frame that's one day and there's narration and the next frame is another day. And it's like, you know, it reads like a, like a, a montage in a silver age Claremont comic or something like that. And and I think it's the most, I think it's the most Kieran Gillen book in of all of Kieran Gillen's mainstream work. Well, see, that's, that's I have a problem with that because I think he's an amazing writer. This book blows, but I think overall he does a categorically wrong. I'm sorry. Well, hey, it does you know not what? blow. It does. It blows. Uh, it's one of these books where I was like, oh, I remember this book. Why didn't I like this? And then as soon as I pick it up, it becomes clear. It starts off talking about the lives of magpies, and then you watch them all die. And then it's like, at one point, it's questioning whether this is relevant. And they're just like, well, I'm just a bird brain, so I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, this is great. You don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing reading this fucking thing. And it doesn't get any easier to follow or make any more sense. At one point, the bird becomes a hologram of Loki, and younger Loki is talking to a middle-aged Loki. And it's just, it's Pete, really what if it was not... Called, so close, Pete. So close, Pete. What, a, a mystery Loki sort of... before he died left a sort of, like track like a trap a trick that only a puzzle that only loki himself would be able like to a solve. quiz pete you love quizzes what if, we, what if this book was called that. journey into quiz yes the hologram your like was a message from the old loki uh, it's sort of like a download what if of it, it was it's, like it starts a, off a old loki b young loki C, Elijah Dushku. What if it was yeah. like that? Would you like that? That's a great, that's a great impression of me. Uh, but, and then it starts off with, okay, Loki uh, has a phone, and it's like old man Thor being like, technology is hard to understand. Why would you have a phone? It's just, 
at no point in this comic does it get any easier to follow or, or become enjoyable. Uh, well, I got to ask a question. No, I got to ask a question right comic. off. Sorry, Second Nat, half. to interrupt. Uh, this is something, just a point of clarification here. Yeah. Pete, of the issues, which I believe, again, were uh, 622s through 631, which ones did you read? All of them except for the point oh. one. Oh, okay. All right. I wasn't one hundred percent sure. Just based on what you were saying, I thought maybe you read the first seven pages. And that was yeah. Good. No, because because like, it all he ties has, together. He like, takes it, on every single page of this whole run. Right. So this is the thing that up. I think is so there great was about one it. Point is like, where Volstage was like, "Oh, I should just eat this young Loki," and I was like, "Please do." Did you just call it Volstage? Put me out of your fucking Volstage. Hey, it's Volstage. It's Volstage. Volstage. Yeah. Please do put me out of my misery because this comic does not get any better as it goes on. Even starts like there was this one panel where Mephisto is breaking the fourth wall, talking to the reader, and reveals that it's not really a Loki book. It's a Mephisto book. That was the first page recap, (laughs) Would you let me get to my fucking point? And then in the book, we have done nothing but that, let you get somewhere. That and you have not Mephisto is a complete. Pete Nat is the guest, and you have talked way more than him. <laughs> also, I'm making way better points. You can like it or not like it. Oh, That's subjective. Art is appreciated subjectively. It's dense. You can say that. If that was too much for you, maybe it was challenging. It's a higher reading level than you're used to. Moral ambiguity, oh, unreliable oh, narrators. Oh, oh shit. This is, a, this is getting punchy. You're the one who sounds like a bird ba- brain in this fucking... And okay, I cannot okay. wait to punch you in the face. The first thing I'm going to do is fucking drop to you as soon as I see you. I understand that. You are You are valid. And people have opinions, and they are allowed to exist. I will say what you don't like about this book is the fact that it's dense, it's a difficult story to parse, is, I think, one of the things that's the most valuable about it. I think it's you get a lot more bang for your buck with this comic than your average comic where a, a fight takes up eight pages, for example. Yeah. And I think that's like one of the things I like the most about this book. You're talking about, for example, the Mephisto recap page. We're jumping around, but the story not only um, switches narrators for the recap page, but it'll go into someone else's telling a legend, and we're not hearing the actual factual legend. We're hearing this person's telling of it, or we're hearing what's written in the book of Asgard. One of the things that works so well about this book is that it deals with a series of unreliable narrators and talks about storytelling sort of as a form of, a sort of like a mystic form of creating reality, in that, you know, like you have to believe in gods for them to have power. But uh, Gillen has sort of folded that in on itself. And like everything here is part of a story that's being written as you read it. So giving these different characters the ability to be the narrator and also shape the flashbacks in history is uh, a really interesting way of sort of interacting with the Norse mythology that exists. You know, like rather, rather than saying like this is exactly how the reality works. Like, for example, when they talk about like, does Mephisto references the idea of God. Someone asked him if the living tribunal is God. And he says, no, he's just the biggest kid in the playground. And if he knows who the principal is, he's not telling anyone. And I love that because there's this idea of like, we're not going to tell you that the biblical God exists in the Marvel universe. It's more that by believing in different things, people give them power. And that's why Norse mythology and Christianity and Greek mythology and all of these things can exist in the same world. And I think Gillen does a really amazing job in this book of saying, like, okay, all these competing belief systems have to exist in the Marvel Universe because there are Christians and there are Greeks and there are, um, you know, 
I guess, archaic <laughs> Norse worshippers as well. And yep. all of that mythology exists in the same like pantheon. Like there's, it all exists in the Marvel universe. And he does such a good job of rationalizing that. Uh, that's like one of my favorite things about this book. Uh, well, I'm glad so, that you were able to get something out of this because yeah, when you, you said, every time you say the word or something, if it's, if it's like, I don't know, too wordy or, wow, you know. this is a hit piece. Hey, hey, now you can keep, you know, insulting me. I don't, I don't mind. You know, it's totally <laughs> fine. Listen, yeah, every whoa, time whoa, whoa, you say the word interesting, this story <laughs> is interesting. In my head, I just hear shitty because they're making choices like you said, we have an unreliable narrator. It's mm-hmm. based off an unreliable character. So mm-hmm. you're having two shitty people talk, and then you're having a hologram of that shitty person who's somehow a bird that sometimes randomly explodes. Fuck you, man. This is not an enjoyable storyline. Fuck you. I just want to point out that I just said what I like and don't like about this comic book. It's not an insult to you that this comic book exists. You just don't like it, and that's okay. But well, the- I liked it. Oh, hey, Justin, how's it going? Uh, I'll mention, by the way, several people team Pete here, not necessarily so much about the book as just your level of anger, Pete. So there is that. Uh, One thing that I wanted to mention that I think also potentially might have rankled you a little bit, Pete, but I think is part of the design. Jumping off what Justin said, you you name-checked Fables, which I think is like a good touchstone for this. But the thing that Kieran Gillen does so well is he writes this book as if Loki was writing it, and it's yeah. fables, but as an asshole, like a yeah. tricksy asshole. Because the the point, and I was so glad to revisit this because I had completely forgotten about this, but the point I had the same reaction when I got to this point of the book that I did when I read it the first time, which is Several issues in, Loki goes to wherever Suter is, Surtur, uh, and he tricks him into giving him a sword, but he gives him the opposite of the sword. So it's Twilight's opposite. And so he gets that sword. He's like, oh, I'll use this later. Several issues down the road, the fun, at the conclusion, he brings out a big book. And I think it's Tur, who's uh, been brought back from Valhalla, is like, how are you going to use a sword on a book? And he's like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. It's Twilight's opposite. And he pulls out a pen. And that was the point where I was like, oh, you fucking son of a bitch. It's yeah. fuck you. For so doing good. This. This is, and it is. It's so good. It's and so when smart. Like, Something's going to happen here. But you, there's so many moments like that where he's like, well. I probably shouldn't tell you the whole thing. You're like, oh, it's going to pay off eventually. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's, it's assholey in the right way. In the same way that Loki is, we're like, you have to imagine in the Marvel universe, anybody encountering Loki is perennially frustrated all the mm-hmm. time about anything. And I do think that comes through when you're reading the book. Because you're like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Loki, what are you doing? But he's also a kid. Like, that's, what's good about this book is it's like, everyone's like, I think you're the same guy. And he's like, what me? And they're like, yeah, but that's what you always do. So even you, the reader is like, is he playing dumb or like, is he playing innocent or is he like actually, and I love, like, I love the characterization of Loki in this because you get those moments where like, he's trying to intimidate people and he acts, he acts like really like evil and then it works. And he's like, Oh wow. I love this villainous talk. It's such a fun character to play. And like, you see him almost like rediscovering that side of himself, but he's not really that person as far as we know all the way, like he, like you, you still, I mean, it's sort of established in the first issue that he's 
going on this crazy thing. He's do, you know, he gets Thor's permission. He's like, well, if you had to do something bad to make some, stop something even worse from happening, would you do it? And Thor says, yes. So Loki is doing something bad in every issue, but it is established from the beginning that he's doing it to save Asgard. But again, he's the one telling the story from the beginning. So you don't know if that's actually what's happening the whole time. And I agree. I, I love all this, but to be fair, if you had a fair to Pete, if you had an issue of Wolverine where instead of popping claws, he popped three pens, that would not make Pete happy. <laughs> so fair. I feel like and I'll give you that. I will say this, Pete. I actually thought, well, I thought that you might come at this book with, uh, uh, you know, a, I don't know, open mind. But I actually thought that you might. <laughs> I chose this because this is and I, I recognize what a fool I've been, but. This is my favorite Mephisto, and I actually think yeah. that Mephisto is a good character here. And, I, and I'll go a step further. I know I was mean and condescending a second before, and I love you very much, Pete. I still getting agree with I you. See. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> yeah. No, no, listen to this. There's I, no way I, around I, I've been on the show before, but I want to. I agree with you that the Spider-Man reboot was a mistake. It was a bad uh, uh, decision, they sh- and it was a very cheap plot device, and that Mephisto is too frequently used as a very cheap plot device, but I think that's the writer and the editor, and I think in the hands of a good writer, he's written as a slightly darker, more manipulative, Loki parallel-type character, and that, uh, I think it's 627, I want to say 628, the, the devil walks into a bar issue. Yeah, that's... one of my favorite issues of all comics. And what? That, I mean, Matt, are you... If that was Mephisto the way he was always in the world, I would say use that character all the time. But sometimes you're right. He's like a magical chalkboard eraser just used to be like, all right, well, let's do something else. As, as Stray Bullet pointed out, my favorite Mephisto. I mean, that's a funny line to say out loud. But I, I, that, that whole issue where he's like, Mephisto's like, aren't you going to ask me about my day? And he's being such a dick to this bartender who then he dooms for all of eternity and turns him basically the into the, the pen. Like, yeah. You're mad the devil is a mean guy? I'm not he's mad not the devil is a mean dude. guy. I'm mad that the devil He feels bad for the bartender. To be extra fucking douchey when he could just be, you know. Uh, he does say he likes to play along and he's had a bad day. Justin, as a bartender, though, how do you feel about that issue? <laughs> I agree with Pete completely. No, no, Justin's, Justin's a line producer. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, friends who understand my life and career. <laughs> bartender, line producer. Cool. Justin, you have tended cool. Did... Before of us, you have tended bar, is what I mean. Yeah, uh, uh, here, no, wait, I want to read. I want to before we go wait, any wait, further. I want to read. I just want to say the cameo yeah. of Eddie from Iron Maiden in this comic book is nice. Oh, I completely missed that one. Uh, I want to read two comments over on YouTube that are going to make Pete really angry. Uh, Ravlam says Mephisto is a good character. Nat is nope. always a great guest, uh, wow. and also CT says genius over on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. You have uh, more of a YouTube crowd, Nat. <laughs> wow, yeah. I won't play. Crowdcast does not love me. Uh, CT says, wrong about the other stuff too. Go ahead. CT Cook says, <laughs> I, uh, "This is I don't even want to read this kind of." Uh, yes. Can you guys do a read through of Secret Empire? Just start reading it, and it's really good. <laughs> wow. All right, that's deliberately. I was trying to let Pete enjoy Mephisto, and I will say point, I no like Secret thing. Empire. I'm not just trying to. I know you do, but I'm not trying to like push Pete's buttons. Yeah. I was trying to say like, hey, you're categorically rejecting this character who's actually in the right hands a good character. I yeah. could see why it just in my world like 
we already have supervillains and heroes. Do we also need the devil? You know what I mean? Let's. Well, actually, okay, no, I, I hear what you're saying because, like, for example, there was that Claremont Nightcrawler series where he goes to heaven, and I was like, for all of the supernatural stuff that exists here, like the biblical heaven, like that seems so cheesy. He's like, like Nightcrawler's yeah. like, hey, God, well, how you doing? He's like, all right, Nightcrawler, the, better go save lives. The Mephisto oh, issue, like, that's why I think there's a good idea there for those of you who haven't read it in a while. Mephisto goes to hell. He hangs out with Nightmare mostly. Oh, they have I, a drink. My Nightmare's two kind of pissed up. least favorite characters talking to each other. But the idea there that I really like is there's a is bunch Castle of. Hell? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> there's a bunch of devil characters, some of whom are like, yeah, I'm the real Satan. No, I'm the real Satan. But none of them are the real Satan. And I don't. I think that's an idea that's never been really played with in the Marvel universe. Yeah, well, yeah, that's so smart, so smart because what he's doing is like, okay, how can all of these like if all of these mythologies exist, but they all have an afterlife? Well, like, okay, there's an underworld in the Marvel universe, and like Hela has part of it, and Mephisto has another part. But similarly to like that whole thing about we don't if there is a god, we don't know who it is. There's a series of more powerful deities. I love that idea that like, oh, there's a bunch of demons like vying for Satan's throne, which is always empty. Like this idea is more powerful than the beings. But also if you remember from that issue, the top two are uh, Sitorak where uh, the juggernaut gets his powers and Dormammu. Yeah. He's basically being like all of these demons exist in some ethereal plane and like compete for being the worst bad guy. And then there's like that living tribunals hub for all the like benevolent God deities. And like, that's such a brilliant way of taking just a chaotic world of like this writer has said this exists and this writer has said this exists and just being well, like no they all exist simultaneously and it depends and then, on kind of on who believes in them well and another way i think of it is they're all like like loki's they're all like trickster mm-hmm. assholes who are like i'm the big devil mm-hmm. so like listen to my shit and i think that's so much more interesting than being like this is the real bad guy and that like, also that's kind of how they draw their like to to i think this is sort of what was bothering pete but like the lack of like the unreliable narrator element of this book is so useful to the storytelling because it's like, it's not just that these people are all saying, well, I'm the real, you know, I'm the real devil or whatever. It's that that's how they draw their power. There's even a line in there where it's like, well, the gods are worried about humans dying. Some of them believe that humans create gods, but they're in the minority. And like, but they, we know that they'll play with that idea. And in the, if you remember the uh, Jason Aaron, uh, Thor God of Thunder run, he goes into that idea of like the gods only exist as long as the people believe in them, right. which if you want to, if you want to look for a slightly less recent, uh, a, a example of maybe where that idea came from, it's Neil Gaiman. Huh. Yeah. Sandman, huh. you say. Yeah. I don't like the cover. I don't like the cover. But uh, yeah, the Sandman, check it out. It's about a guy who puts people to sleep, I think. And um, if I'm getting that correct. But no, I like no, that I idea that like all these stories and the power of their stories are what give these people power plays so perfectly into the core narrative of this, which I, I think is really brilliant. And now you, I gotta say, thanks for coming. You played into our core narrative of being Pete's Mephisto. <laughs> so thank you for being here and doing that perfectly <laughs> hey one yeah. one one thing i do like about this and pete i know you're going to disagree with me on this which is that this is a we've i mean we read 12 issues of this there are maybe two punches thrown the entire time and i understand that that's not a selling point for some people but i will say as an adult who reads comic books who got into them as a younger person as maybe something of a power fantasy and i hope that someday i would be big and punch things as an adult i occasionally go hmm 
I've actually been very careful to not use violence to solve my problems. Why is my favorite fiction almost always involve big people punching each other? And I don't think the superhero comics have to be that, but it's mm. often hard when you have like a big muscly guy and he's like, well, sometimes I talk to terrorists and they stop. But it's like, all right, that doesn't really work. That character's job is to punch people. What I love about this book is it creates like a logic wherein being intelligent and clever and uh, to a degree manipulative is more powerful and more useful than being the guy with the biggest hammer. And I think that's this comic is such a good like example of um, you can tell a story where people don't solve their problems with violence and it can be a really good story. And I think it's actually way more compelling than the side story, which is Odin and the serpent and everyone punching each other. It's very interesting to me that you're making an anti-punching case to a man that has promised to punch you the next time he sees you. <laughs> I'm a man of my word, Nat. I'm a man of my uh, word. I, yeah, I wish. I just wish we could square up. Unfortunately, we are indefinitely quarantined, and it's just, you know, yeah. I, 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 I'm a man of my word too, and it's just very important to me, you know. Thank but there's nothing I can do. Uh, Nat, thank you so much for coming on. I know you have to go cook some baseball mitts and some soup. Is that what's yeah. going on? I think. Yeah, I'm in a different room. They're overheating in the other room, guys. No, yeah, <laughs> don't overcook those mitts. Um, uh, and I do want to point so out that I've, I've dropped a hint to my secret quiz. So if anyone figures out what the passphrase is, I'll be watching every episode from now on to let you know if anyone's awesome. Okay? <laughs> great. Thank you, Nat. Always Thanks great for to having see me, you. guys. Great to see you, Pete. Bye. I love you very much. <laughs> Bye. Oh, man. Uh, I would recommend Journey into Mystery. No. Frankly. I, I definitely, having read these again, I was like, <laughs> it was hard to stop and not read the rest of them because that run was so good. I know you it's just a good read. Run. I think it was real good. Yeah, I really like it too. I mean, all I, right. I understand what he's saying, but it's just the the I find it hard when the narrator is not reliable to it frustrates me. Uh, so it makes it very hard for me to continue to enjoy something when I'm frustrated. The person who's supposed to be telling me the story. So you just hate unreliable people in general. Well, that's also true, but I, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, yeah, I, well, it's interesting you say that, Pete, and I'll explain why later. But now it is time for our next section, which is my favorite <laughs> section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. Yeah. And for the audience questions, there's two ways of doing this. If you're over on YouTube, just drop a question in the comments. I will keep an eye on those. If you're on Crowncast, we already got a bunch of those there and ask a question, but feel free to drop more in there or vote some of them up. Let's go to it right now, starting with the top one here. Oh, no, we missed this. Uh, this is from Stray Bullet. What's Nat's favorite baseball mitt recipe? Uh, Nat <laughs> oh, says, how great. dare oh. you? But I, I feel like he cooks them plain. Yeah. I think he yeah. s- thinly slices them in a nice saute. <laughs> I mean, you're going to sure. want to cook them in, you're going to cook them in like a braise, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know how a, who has a good recipe for baseball mitts is Vostage. Vostage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Get some gravy out of the mitt. Vostage. <laughs> Uh, here's a question from over on YouTube from Bandito740. I've got two completely non-comic questions. Pete always has good rap references and knowledge. What's his rap Mount Rushmore top four rappers? Oh, and shit. Justin, on the decent marrow tip, what would your neon sign say? Ooh, that's a good one. Good, 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 good. Uh, great. I'll answer both of those. Okay, <laughs> great, great. No. <laughs> Uh, I would have to, I mean, this is tough because it's like, for me, hip hop is very much like 
what kind of mood I'm in, but I, for me, uh, Mount Rushmore is like, listen to the most, the, the one that kind of like you have heard so many times you could kind of do it yourself. Uh, like that's how they determine Mount Rushmore is like one of the coolest presidents. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's always changing. Yeah. So I would go, uh, for me, it would be, uh, cube, um, I would then go with, um, uh, black thought. I would also go mm-hmm. with, um, oh, this is tough. It's changes all the time. Um, um, ah, oh, making last minute decisions in my head. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, um, LL cool J. And okay. I'm going to go with, um, damn it, Tupac. Nice. Wow. Yes, Black Thought Top 4. Unbelievable. His freestyle, on, come on. That was unbelievable. Don't let Nat raz you from a distance. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Justin, what about you? What would be on your neon sign? My neon sign, for those of you who don't know, on uh, the Smero show on Showtime, um, all the guests, the illustrious guests, um, uh, do a neon sign at the end of their appearance. It's something that they would hang, uh, they would be hanging in a bodega. Um, and for me, uh, it would be yes, you can make six packs from the loose beers. <laughs> <laughs> That's my neon bodega sign, and check, please check it out. That's awesome. amazing. Uh, here's a question from Omnia Soul. This is a question for all the hosts, but especially Alex. This is working out very nicely. Oh, wow. If you had a chance okay. to write a cipher one shot, what should Attigans would cipher get up to? Would he go on a date with Dazzler? Uh, great question. That is definitely my one bit is setting people on a date with Dazzler. Uh, I don't know. I have. I don't have a specific story, but I've always thought like a James Bond spy story with Cypher where he's sort of like a normal dude, but gets sucked into it and has to do it would be a lot of fun. Like it wouldn't necessarily play in with the modern incarnation of the character, but certainly when I first hooked into him in the early debut days, I think that's the sort of thing I would have enjoyed. Um, if I may answer, um, I would like to, uh, for my Cypher one shot, it would be Cypher can still, um, understand all languages, but he he loses the ability to express language. Oh, so wow. he, uh, it's a frustrating story for Cipher. But I think mm-hmm. like uh, some sort of like um, a break happens in him, and he can't communicate out this information. And it it, it feels like it could be an extension of what they were doing in that uh, what was that mini series where oh, Cipher yeah, Charles Soul one the Charles Soul one yeah. Which yeah. is part of the Wolverine search for Wolverine? I want to say, yeah. After Wolverine yes. died, yeah. Um, where yeah, he that was, was great. It was great. Like I like Cipher being a little bit like uh, an avatar for the internet in general. Where yeah, he was like an internet junkie. He was like, where okay. he's a little janky. He's yeah. like like fucked up in, in a lot of ways, but also has a lot of information at the same time. Yeah. Uh, if Justin's going to jump in, I wanted to jump in and answer a question uh, after I had to leave last week. Uh, you guys talking about your favorite authors, and I, I wanted to say <laughs> Douglas Adams is my favorite author. 
Nice. Wow, and nice. I actually want to answer a question from six years ago. Oh, great. Was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got a question here on YouTube. Nelson Martinez has a question, question for Pete. When you see Nat next, what form of punch will you use? An uppercut, a straight jab, right hook? What's your plan of attack? We should probably well, explain what's going on here since we well, have mentioned to the show. Yes. It's, it's basically you promise to punch Nat the next time well, you see no, him. Well, no, because Nat you know, likes to, you know, talk in big words and thinks he's very smart. And I'm sure he is, uh, but he <laughs> is, he made this crazy predicament that this thing he was working Prediction. on would change. Prediction. Oh, thank you. He would <laughs> now change, he's in a predicament though. Yeah. Yeah. He would change the, uh, you know, what he's doing will the change world. things as we know it would change the world. It would be such a huge thing. And I said, all right, we'll put your money where your mouth is. If it's not, I get to punch you. And, in the stomach. Um, I will say you did say in the stomach. And now it seems like there's a lot of talk about face punching. Yeah. I mean, to answer the original question, though, I would love to my cousin Vinny jump punch him. Where it's and just I, like my full also, force all the way across his face would be great. I do want to mention, we mentioned this the last time we had a live show with that, which was months ago at this point, that uh, we... Uh, we had this bet or you had this bet and you were like, if the world changes, doesn't change, I get to punch you in the stomach. And then we were immediately shut down and locked down and there's, quarantined for months. And the world has actually, there's changed. no doubt that the world has changed people that. Yeah. But Nat didn't do that. It wasn't didn't that. He? So. Didn't yeah. he? Didn't he? <laughs> uh, question here from beer cat PhD. What are your all's experience was with D and D or tabletop gaming broadly? Uh, do you list that experience on your LinkedIn page? Uh, yes, <laughs> page that's on your, uh, special skills section. That's where yeah. you put that one. I mean, uh, I've told this story before on the show. I remember very distinctly we were at, Oh my God. I don't even remember the name of the club, but like I could picture being at the club. We were doing a show. Eliza Skinner was there. I don't remember who the comic guest was. Justin, you weren't there, but we talked about, uh, somebody asked this question, like what was your most embarrassing childhood experience or nerdiest childhood experience? I used to play D and D with myself. Uh, I had a box of D and D in my desk. And when I was done with my homework, I'd, I'd slide it open and play the D&D game with myself in my desk. Wow. So now, when you play a D&D by yourself, that's just thinking, right? Yeah, it was mostly imagination and rolling dice. Aw. That's nice. Oh, GMC Hammer says, Alex, I did the same exact thing. There you go. Mm. I am not alone. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Beautiful. What a Um, nice song that was. I never played D&D growing up. I would have loved it. Um... But I didn't, we grew up in the country where it just wasn't even, (laughs) I didn't even know about it. Uh, I played a lot of uh, RPG Nintendo games, though, so that was my version of that. Pete, what about you? I played uh, like a couple times. A friend of mine was really into it, and he would be like, hey, if you come play D&D with me, I'll let you play my Sega. So I would go over there and... Uh, wait until it was my turn to play Sega. Oh, you you sold off your imagination for Sega. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you addict for for rings for rings, Pete. Yeah, well, you I just gotta get the, those precious I was really Sonic addicted, rings. The, the altered this, beast. No, it was uh, Spy versus Spy on the Sega. Oh, interesting. Oh, really? <laughs> interesting. That's funny because that was the same uh, as the Nintendo version, right? Where it was just 
No, that was Spy Hunter. No, Spy vs. Spy, there's a Nintendo version where you would go oh, through different there? rooms. and Yeah, you set traps and stuff, yeah. and then you try to you try to get your uh, a ticket to go on an airplane, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's how you escape. The only game I really played on Nintendo was the Fold-In. I did that a lot. Mm. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, super fun. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brandon Medina says, what do you think of the DC devil in Starman that pulled people to hell through Merritt's poster? That's oh. an interesting question. Uh, uh, Justin, I think that's one for you. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of my favorite single issues um, in the whole Starman run and in comics in general. Um, or sorry. No, that's the Hawaiian shirt thing I'm thinking of. Um, the devil that pulled people through is uh, uh, the posters that was is sort of an underlying theme and storyline through the whole run until uh, later on. Uh, I forget the actual issue numbers where like hundreds of uh, members of citizens of Opal city uh, return from all different time periods. Um, I think that's a great character. I'd love to see that character come back a great, that'd be a great Batman villain to throw in for like a two issue arc. The thing that's great about that issue too, is it's kind of like a very straight up honest devil where he tempts Starman. Uh, the Shade, and I'm forgetting who the third person is. Bobo. One of, no, it's Bobo. Uh, and, like, he tempts them, and they play into it the right way, and then he's like, well, you got me. See you later. No catches. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a surprising thing to happen in any devil story. It's really, really fun. Uh, question from Ben Does Slip. For the sake of equity, what are we going to get? Let's hear it for HBO's Girls. <laughs> we're doing a let's hear for the boys a boys podcast i think we gotta roll right into that one um i mean i watched all of girls so i'm ready yeah i watched the first episode i wasn't interested you watched one episode i watched a couple of episodes it just wasn't my thing there uh there's some episodes and uh arcs that are not great but there's are a lot of great standalone episodes of that show okay this cool. sounds like it'll be a really good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Pete, you're into it, right? I haven't seen any episodes, so I don't know. Oh, Ben Duck Slip says it's very perverted, Alex. I'm in. <laughs> uh, question from Pete's Punisher Slippers. Sorry for the long question, but isn't it suspicious how many similarities there are between famous mutant Wolverine and noted cheesesteak enthusiast Pete LePage, such as strong sense of justice, but little regard for society's rules, fiercely loyal to his friends, but barely tolerates them, hates Cyclops, adamantium bones probably. Can you think of others? Yeah, I can think of one other. They both love sucking on a cheesesteak. Oh, <laughs> oh man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Love it. Yeah, it's nice that you get a chance to use that whenever you want. So that's cool. It's Uh, not whenever he wants. It's whenever it's needed. Like the bad thing. It's important. Yeah, it seems like you kind of put that in there. Um, Alex is the hero that we need. Thank you. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that. But. Uh, I thank you for the question. You know, yeah, anytime I get, uh, you know, compliments like that, uh, you know, uh, I am short enough, I feel like, to play him, you know. So, you know, no, actually, I'm too tall. I'm too tall. Wow. Takes himself wow, out of the sure. running. <laughs> That's crazy. Because let me say, Pete, you're not the tallest. That's true. Yeah. Bob Iger currently on the other side of Pete's door about to knock, and he's like, huh? Well, he said no. He can't yeah. have this 5'7 guy play Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
A couple of things over on YouTube. We get a correction from Brandon Medina. It's Matt O'Dare. That was the third one tempted, not Bobo. Ah. Sorry about that. Thanks for the correction. Nelson Martinez says, speaking of video games, what is your guy's favorite video game growing up? And have you beaten Hollow Knight yet, Justin? How would you review it? Uh, I've not. Uh, Since I came up to the country i haven't played i brought the switch but i haven't played it yet love hollow knight though very excited to get back to it um favorite video game of all time was the question yeah uh guys favorite video games growing up growing Growing up up. okay uh big into final fantasy big into the all the zelda games um what else keep Uh, talking i'm gonna get a mega man Mega Man was great. For me, it was, uh, you know, uh, Mortal Kombat, Streets of Rage, uh, you know, the X-Men uh, game, um, you know, and when I had Nintendo as a kid, it was uh, Super Dodgeball was great. Tecmo Bowl was really amazing. Uh, played shit ton of Castlevania. Master yeah, Blaster. Castlevania 2. Master ba- uh, Blaster Master is very yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, I got uh, Goonies 2. Oh, Goonies <laughs> 2 is so hard. Yeah, impossible game. Uh, Super Mario Brothers 2. Nice. Great game. Love that. Even though it's a weird one. Uh, yeah, original Super Mario Brothers. Wait, hold on. I'm looking, I'm looking for my favorite one. Oh, this one I played incessantly, Life Force. Oh, I, I love Life that. Force. Yeah. yeah, Life Force was great. This is my favorite game of all time, though, uh, or at least growing up. Uh, Castlevania 2. Simon's yes, Quest. Simon's Quest. So good. Such a good game. What a horrible night to have a curse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I pulled out as uh, so we just moved. And so I pulled out the old Nintendo that I'm going to set up at some point. So nice, dude. I got an old Nintendo set up. It's fun to go back. Yeah. Um, to answer Pete Punisher's, uh, Pete's Punisher's Slippers question, does anyone have Nintendo characters within arm's reach? I have them like in this, through this door. I could oh, go wow. to them. But <laughs> mine are downstairs. Look at us. Oh, we are st- uh, still living the dream. Yeah, Alex <laughs> still in Brooklyn. He's just uh, deeper in. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Kevin says, what real locations have you visited because they had been featured in comics? Ooh, good hmm. question. Real locations well, visited. I mean, you guys did that Spider-Man tour for Pulp yeah. Secret that we just talked That's about right. a couple of weeks ago, right? I guess yeah. the negative zone. I went there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I visited any. I remember, like when I first went to New York City, I was excited about going to Hell's Kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm trying to think. But it was of, like, actually other... very nice. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that nice when I went. <laughs> sure. Uh, question here from Lion Man on YouTube: What do you guys think about the rumored Sabrina Riverdale TV crossover? So. Just to give you the information about this, Sabrina is canceled on oh. Netflix. <laughs> I know, on. Alex. No pulling, no punches. Oh. Well, because I want to, I want to set this up properly. So, Sabrina got canceled. Uh, it, there is going to be a part four that is talking about cancel culture, literal cancel culture. Uh, there's going to be a part four that's going to go on later this year. They filmed it a while ago, so it's been done for months at this point. 
Uh, and after the cancellation was announced, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa, the showrunner, tweeted out a thing where he's like, ah, part four is my favorite part so far, but part five would have been great. Which war? Which war? To be continued in the pages of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina in the comics. And he posted a thing. It was the witches of Riverdale are coming. And it was a picture. I think it was uh, Robert Hack is the name of the uh, artist. Right? Artist. Yep. Uh, uh, it, of the Riverdale characters and then also the Sabrina characters. So here's what I'll throw out about it. I feel like it was very specifically worded to hint that like, oh, you should feel bad because there would have been a Riverdale Sabrina crossover in part five. But there weren't necessarily any sort of plans, but they are yeah. going to do them in the comics. That's what I took away from that. Yeah, I think so. Thing? Yeah, I agree. Um, and I saw some speculation like, oh, maybe there'll be a holiday special episode where we get to see that. And I feel like they're not going to want to, especially now that Sabrina's on its way out, they're not going to want to sort of throw that whole thing into Riverdale um, at this point. Yeah, I, I agree. Pete, I'm I'm just sad. Uh, I'm hoping the fourth season will be uh, enjoyable. Fourth part, fourth part you know, Pete. It's, don't fuck it's, with it's me. It's the I'm second gonna... part of the second season. You know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to watch any of it then. <laughs> oh, wow. Jesus, Pete. Man, uh, from Joe Crack, if y'all were playing, going to play a to- tabletop role-playing game, would you rather play a classic D&D fantasy-style game or a comic book superhero game, or is there some other genre you're interested in? Hmm. I would did, go in the the full. Okay. We did do one uh, a superhero D and D game, which we did as a podcast. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. Fun. That I was. mean, I don't know enough about it, but uh, yeah, there it would you know whatever world we want to create. It's a it's a fun time. It's also cool. Like a, a what I didn't really realize uh, was how much fun it is when it's a bunch of people uh, together kind of bouncing ideas off each other. It's uh, creative in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. I mean, I used to beyond playing with myself, D and D when well, I was growing up, there were we can just clip that of- out right before you said D and D pretty easily. <laughs> uh, I did play D and D games uh, with friends when I was younger, not often, but a couple of times. And it was always really fun. Like, the thing it was always really like, fun, but there are just too many people there. So then I just drifted <laughs> into doing it to myself. Go back by to my desk. I'd yeah. go back to my desk. Uh, no, I, as long as like it doesn't get too complicated, my worry with role play games is there are so many rules, so many things to understand, so much nuance that just being able to casually sit down and have fun feels like it's a big lift. Um, but if there are, I I would love to do it more if there was time, if there was an easy game. So if anybody has an easy game they want to do, we're happy to be there. I'll I've been practicing doing it by myself, and I would love to do it more with other people, I guess. <laughs> um, I would like to play classic D&D. That's what I, I want, the pure stuff um, mm-hmm. as a starting point. You're nice. a purist. You just got to grind it up and snort it. This is from Eduardo. I've seen some established comics creators turn to Kickstarter for projects recently, e.g. Saladin Ahmed's new project Dragon, Jeff Lemire and Matt Kins collaborating on Cosmic Detective. Do you see this as a trend that will grow in the future? And if so, how do you think publishers might respond? Have you had any experiences, either good or bad, with such projects in the past? Um, well, I 
did a Kickstarter. I don't know if you guys did a Kickstarter. I had a very good experience with it. Uh, and to that point, I'm surprised people are going back to it. It feels like there have been other crowdsourcing platforms that have uh, exploded since then. Like we use Patreon. Um, that certainly seems to be one that our people are releasing content through the even comics. Um, but it's good. Like, I think it, as long as people are upfront and smart and savvy about it, uh, Greg Pock, we've had on the show a bunch. He has a really well, great guide you. to using Kickstarter for comics. That's really worth checking out. So I don't know. I, I hope more people do it. Yeah, I, I think it's cool. Um, it is interesting that Kickstarter has sort of emerged as the comic uh, artist, a uh, writer and artist funding platform um, per, on a project by project basis. Um, because I, I mean, I, I would think that it would migrate a little bit, but it, it does. It is nice for a one-off thing. I think I've never done a, a Kickstarter, so I don't really know too much. Pete, anything? Nope. Great. All right. Thanks, Pete. Uh, yeah, no question from Nelson Martinez. What's everyone drinking tonight? Cheers. Yeah. Great question. Uh, I can start. I uh, picked up a Two Roads Little Heaven Session IPA, which is pretty good. Very nice. Um, I started with a, um, a grapefruit vodka, which I infused Ooh. myself. Grapefruit vodka and Campari with soda. And uh, I'm going to – then I switched over to an all-day IPA. Ooh, nice. Which I love. Uh, I, uh, I uh, had a horrible day yesterday and then uh, decided to drink a lot. And today I'm just having uh, a little soda water and uh, milking this hangover. When you say soda water, are we talking a Code Red or what? what? Yeah. Look. LaCroix. Oh, LaCroix. Wow. That's the, the sort of the antithesis of Code Red. <laughs> Do they fight in your fridge? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, uh, Beer Cat PhD is having a Thai chili porter. That sounds real Ooh, good. Who makes that, Beer Cat? Yeah, let us know. We'll answer the next question in the meantime. Uh, from First Hand to Up Guy, what is your favorite comic with an unreliable narrator? In Pete's case, <laughs> least hated comic with an unreliable narrator. Man, you've already been on the show, Dot. Yeah. You don't need to ask questions. Too. I love Nat following up on his own points in the <laughs> section. <laughs> you very rarely do you see like on um on the Tonight Show a guest come out and be like, "Hey, I just have one more question for um uh, Will Smith." Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Beercrate PhD says Beacon Brewing Ooh. is the one behind the Thai chili porter. That sounds good. I'm going to have to Very track that, that down. That's awesome. Uh, Pablo D. Martinez says, what's the stupidest lesson you've learned? We're not going to even approach it? Nat's question. <laughs> no, I don't nope. know. Do you have an answer? I no, let's an move answer. on. You were already moving on. Don't go back. Oh, well, I mean, uh, I'm trying to think of other unreliable narrators. I feel like that's a device that often you don't know until um, after the story's going for a bit. Um, Alex, I was thinking when you were complimenting Journey into Mystery, Jack of Fables is one you loved mm -hmm. that is an unreliable oh, narrator. Oh, yeah. nice. You're answering for him. That's adorable. Yeah. And Pete, your favorite unreliable narrator is um, Alex, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll get to why later. Uh, now <laughs> on to the next question. What's the stupidest lesson you've learned from reading comic books? Stupidest? Stupidest, stupidest lesson. Absolute I guess, stupidest lesson. Uh, you know, the fact that you shouldn't have a cape. You know, comic books showed you all the ways that can go wrong. 
Wait, you're saying you should have a cape, and comics should. are telling you you shouldn't. Yeah, comics have pointed out that you shouldn't have a cape. Yeah, but I think that's right. I think you shouldn't have a cape. Interesting. Uh, great. Stupidest uh, <laughs> lesson, Justin. Uh, <laughs> stupidest lesson. Um, the idea that you, in the middle of doing a very physical labor, like stopping a purse snatcher, you're also concerned with shouting jokes at people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would say probably playing baseball. I think like that's just why would anybody do that? It doesn't make any sense. Interesting. Uh, from, what about a, the, our, our CPC um, softball league? Is uh, hasn't taken off yet, Alex? I feel like you're the one standing in the I way. Know. Uh, well, we'll have meetings real soon as soon as everything lifts. This is from Nick Kelly. If you could recast a show with the characters of Riverdale, what show would you choose and Ooh, why? Wow. Ooh. Good question. Wait, we're saying you take the same actors and put them on another show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not like Archie is playing X. Uh, Edward Doherty with Twin Peaks. That's a good call right out the gate. West Wing. Uh, JMC Haver says West Wing. That's a good one. Uh, Maybe Lost. I don't know. The hard part about it is Riverdale is also all shows. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's like everything in one. Tiny Tunes. That's a good answer. Those are both Ooh, good. Tiny Tunes is a great answer. I love Tiny Tunes. Uh, I don't know. I kind of would want to see them in a different thing, like, you know, almost like change it up completely and they do a morning show, you know, where they, you know, <laughs> they just have to sit there with their coffees and talk about I mean, their here's days. the thing about that is Mark Consuelos is married to Kelly Ripa and yeah. often co-hosts her show. He gets it. Yeah. So you could yeah. see that. Like you could literally see Hiram Lodge host a show. Every I've and every time in character. I've watched it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh great, great question. Uh question here from Hollywood Homer. Favorite video game based on comics, the Bar- Batman Arkham series, uh, as a personal series. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean that's a that is I mean when that came out, especially that was like the one. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. huge. Do you know what I really there was an Ultimate Spider-Man game? I think it was for PS3 or PS2. I honestly don't remember which one I had. Um, but that was Brian Bendis wrote that. So it was like very tied into actually who Ultimate Spider-Man was. I really liked the look a lot. I had a lot of fun playing that game. I'm sure it's not as good as the Spider-Man PS4 game, um, but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Um I mean, I, I'm trying to think of other great. I guess I also haven't played the the Spider Man the the PS Spider Man games, so um, I know those are good. Uh, the X Men Arcade Cabinet um, from First Hand Up Guy is uh, one that I will say I played the shit out of. Uh, yeah, I in the arcade, oh, I put a lot yeah. of quarters into that thing. A lot of quarters. Another yeah. one was the um, the TNG Ninja Turtles. Uh, yeah. Turtles in Time, I th- want to say, yeah. for Super Nintendo or 64, maybe. Yeah. Um, played a lot of that. Uh, I also want to, Stray Bullet said in Justice, I did play that game. That was fun. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, from another one from Pablo D. Martinez, what DC series would you like to see on HBO Max? So this probably ties into a little bit of news that just came up over the past week that they're going to be doing a Gotham PD series that is set in the same world as the Batman, the Robert Pottison movie that 
Uh, it's going to come out sometime, who even knows. Um, we don't know a lot about it yet. They didn't specifically say that it's going to be based on Gotham Central or anything like that. So we are getting that. We are getting a Green Lantern series at some point. There's Strange Adventures, which is the animated anthology series that they're doing. Mm. And I'm sure a couple more that I'm forgetting. Uh, but is there any others... I, I I don't know. I always feel very weird about this, particularly right now, because like nothing is getting produced. They keep announcing things, but nothing is actually happening for the foreseeable yeah. future. So like, well, it's all speculation. I hope, uh, you know, as the uh, Zub said himself, you know, the animated stuff is, is doable right now. So I'm hoping they're working on more Harley Quinn because mm-hmm. that's the only thing that DC, uh, that I've been just can't stop watching that in Doom Patrol. So, and in general, I just hope all of the DC Universe stuff goes right to HBO Max, and it just all gets folded into that little tab uh, <laughs> on on the menu. Because why not? Uh, here's a great <laughs> question from <laughs> Jesus. Stop <laughs> reading <laughs> that questions. No, this is a good question. Have you guys ever read a book? I'll take my answer next week. <laughs> oh my god! Oh good. Oh guys, we have to cram books for next week. Oh man, Jesus! I've already read enough fucking comic books for this thing. Yeah. Now bookie books? Come on. Uh, Straight bullet asked what everyone's drinking, uh, and then hold on, more asshole. This from that. Uh, here we go. Pablo Dobrinchina says, "What do you guys think of the casting?" on Batwoman for season two. So they announced who yeah. is playing uh, Ryan Wilder, who is the new take on Batwoman. Uh, I believe, what's her name? Jacinta Williams. Is that it? Sure. Uh, I think. I've only seen the pick. So. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. I got to find her actual name because I just, but while, it's, I it's while Alex is doing that, I think it is great and yeah. it's exciting. Uh, to just well, uh, Javica Javisha Leslie. That's actually you are. Yeah, wow, man. I was way off. Um, the fact that it's uh, just happening and we can move past the, all of the weirdness and all of the speculation around that, I think, is great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I'm, really good. I think like a lot of people were worried that they were going to cast somebody who is non-LGBT as the character. She is bisexual, which she said in the statement. Um, it was kind of funny to me that they're like, it's the first black Batwoman in live action. And I was kind of like, well, it's the second Batwoman in live action, but also yeah. it's, that is cool. I'm glad they're going for diversity. Uh, she's a great actress. Uh, she, I think it's going to be great for the role. I'm excited to see what they do, too, because there's a lot of concern about taking Kate Kane out, destroys the relationships in the show. But I think they're savvier than that. So it should be fun to see what happens going forward. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's an, a, a smart move. It gets people excited and it also kind of re-energizes something that uh, we were a little like, Ugh, you know, so I feel I'm excited to, to check it out. Nice. All right, and that is it for your audience questions. Now it is time for our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to go over to Pete LePage. All right. Pete LePage. And somehow we got to figure out the the key to unlock uh, Kevin's quiz. We got to figure that out somehow. Oh, yeah. Kevin has that secret quiz as well. Hey, Kevin, unlock that secret quiz. Yeah. Is that it? Nice. Do That's we do a good it? Guess. A quiz is in it. It's four words. 
And I believe quiz is one word. Quiz me, please, Kevin. There we go. Uh, But if you do want to ask a question, if you're on YouTube, you can say me, me, me. If you're over on Crowdcast, you can say me, 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 whatever you want. We'll keep it on whoever does it first. I'm looking. Whoever says first hand up or anything like that. We will me me me. Oh, not oh, first hand. Come on, okay. not not Nat though. Not not Nat. Nat. <laughs> you guys both got Nat. so excited. You got yeah, so excited oh, uh, just to see it, and then you saw who did it. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, Kevin oh, says uh, that that did not unlock the quiz. Yeah. Uh, do we have anybody for the quiz? Anybody over on YouTube? Either just say, "Oh, uh, CT Cook says me me me." All right. All right, C.T. Cook, this is going to be a delay. This is not your fault, C.T. Cook. Don't even worry about it. Uh, But Pete is going to take it away with some trivia. Here we go. All right. Now, Pete, do you want to leave again and just have me guess the answers? What was nice is uh, you were like, oh, Pete doesn't label what the right answer is. It's because I just know what the right answer is. Yeah, because you wrote it. That's not not a brag. But I do the research, and you know that's why. But uh, it was fun to hear you struggle with it, especially because Alex was supposed to be helping you, and he wasn't. No, he was doing something else. Things to do. Yeah. yeah so ask a question. Fun. Ask a question for CT Cook, and I'll keep an eye on the answers over here. Oh, okay. I thought you were inviting them in. Oh, I apologize. I was waiting. No, no, no. He's okay. on YouTube. Okay. All right. So uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news as well as yes. Twitter. I just won a hundred dollars. Wow. Really? Because it's also Twitter, not just topical comic news. So hmm. I just lost a thousand. Oh, sorry, buddy. All right, here we go. Question number one. DC announced a one-shot comic tie-in with the same name as a movie that is coming out. What is the title of both? Is it A, Green Lantern, better than the last one we hope? B, Wonder Woman 1984? Or is it C, Whoopi Goldberg? So it's either A or it's B. Gotta be A. Yes. Well, uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see. See if Cook hasn't answered yet. Just drop that answer Hopefully. in the comments over on YouTube. Yeah, this, I like this because it adds some tension to it. It's like nobody knows what the right answer could possibly be in this yeah. situation. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, yeah. or the other ones that you said, mm-hmm. the one, that, the first one that was nonsense. Goldberg. Yeah, it could yeah. be Whoopi Goldberg, or it could be just the nonsense answer. Why don't we just say. assume that it's B and then move forward? I'll read the next question. Oh, it says it's B. Think- there you go. Okay, great. There it is. I actually don't know. All right. Question number so two. Uh, Boom announced a second Mighty Morphin Power Rangers book simply called what? Is it A, MMPR? Is it B, Power Rangers? Or is it C, Mandy Patinkin? So it's either A, and you would be incorrect, or it's B, Power Rangers. Mandy Patinkin, what a great Green Green Ranger he would be. Oh, man. Probably mm-hmm. the best of all of them. Just the, just the really? single Better raw thing. What's his name? Jason David Frank? Is that the guy? Wow. Who wow. are you talking to right now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm the Green Ranger. Power, You're talking to guy. the Green Ranger? You're talking yeah, to I'm the talking Green Ranger personally. Uh, All right, so we'll go with question three. We'll assume they said uh, the correct answer, which is B, Power Rangers. All right, here we go. Uh, B, there we go. Nice, great. <laughs> Pete, you can't move on as a quiz master. You can't move on until they answer. That's oh, just okay. the, like, Alex, Alex Trebek does the same thing. 
yeah, yeah he's like, he I'm assuming you're going to write down something cool. Let's move on to the $1,000 in potpourri. When asked on Twitter, what team up would he want? And the he is James Gunn. Uh, he replied with what? Is it A, Guardians of the Galaxy and Powerpuff Girls team up? B, the Suicide Squad and Scooby-Doo team up? Or is it C, Ed Helms and Raven Simone? So it's either A, or you could say B and be completely correct and win $25 in a gift card to Midtown Comics. Wait, so they were all B this time? Maybe they were. So that movie would be called Suicide Do? All right. Well, not quite there yet. C.T. Cuke. Almost going to say B. And does anyone want to, in the meantime, does anyone want to guess what his um, the, his other oh, quiz yeah. is? Yeah, what, what Robin Williams movie is he into? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It's an animated movie. That's mm. a Raven? Oh, Father's Day, directed by Avon Reitman? Nope. 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 Ooh, C.T. Cook says B. There we yeah, go. All right. Nice. And nice. Uh, the Cook answer. A, oh, go ahead, Pete. Is Everyone's Hero. Everyone's Hero is the name of the movie. Ah, there we go. So, Pete, have you slipped into actual made-up movies at this point? Nope. Still real ones. Uh, CT Cooks, shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail.com, and we will get you set up with a $25 gift certificate to Midtown Comics so you can enjoy some comics in the comfort of your home. Now, before we wrap up here... Tomorrow is New Comic Book Day, as we all know, except for DC Comics, which are already out. That's fine, though. Uh, but what are you looking forward to that's coming out? What are you excited about? Ooh. I, uh, I'm excited for a Once and Future number nine. Mm. Uh, every single issue has book. been so phenomenal. The Grandmother is such a badass in that book. It's just so great. Nice. It is a great book. Um, I'm looking forward to Strange Adventures number three, um, mm-hmm. uh, the Tom King book, which um, it's interesting. I feel like uh, this book is a little harder to define than uh, Mr. Miracle was. Um, and so I like that uh, he's slow playing a little bit more. Um, and I'm excited to see where we land. Nice. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Old Guard Force Multiplied Ooh. number five Ooh. is coming out tomorrow from Image Comics. I don't know if you guys checked out the Old Guard, the movie on Hell yeah. last weekend. Great. Great. So, good. Uh, so excited to see how that all wraps up. We're going to have a review of, of all of these on our Stack podcast, which is in the Comic Book Club feed and its own Stack feed tomorrow, Wednesday at 9 a.m., plus many money, many, many more. Many money. Many money. Many money. Many money. Money, penny. Money, uh, money. <laughs> that you should check out. And uh, that's it, folks. Woo-hoo! That is it for our show. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank our amazing guests for coming on the show. We want to thank Jim Zub and Nat Towson. Thank you so much for coming Thanks, by. Thanks, Jim Also, Zub. next week on the show, we're going to have two more great guests. We're going to have Tom Kelly, an artist, is going to be here, as well as Sean Lewis, one of our favorite writers. And yeah. is going to be back yeah. on the show. So that should be a lot of fun. Couple of things to plug before we go. Star Guys, our Star Girl podcast, two times a week, Mondays and Tuesdays, with a bonus episode. 
Let's Hear It for the Boys, our boys podcast that we mentioned earlier is every Friday. Umbrella Academy, our Umbrella Academy recap podcast is every Thursday. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more at Comic Book Live on Twitter to follow us and get information about all these things. Thank you so much for attending. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We appreciate it so much. You're all awesome. Have a good night. Enjoy the rest of the theme song. <laughs> bye bye. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.